try and get my gears going. If you'll turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 25, and if you pass Proverbs on the way, keep your fingers on chapter 11, because we're going to be, Proverbs 11 is going to be where the main, where the meat is, but I kind of want to get some context here in Matthew chapter 25, and uh, there's a, there's, there's ways to be charitable outside of Christianity. I'm not going to say that everyone who's not a Christian is not charitable. But as it tends in life, we tend to look to ourselves. When people uh, outside of Jesus Christ, there, there tends to be a change that takes place in people when they accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and they receive the Holy Spirit you begin to see things in a whole new light. You begin to see people in a whole new light. And you, your reactions, there's, there's people that were mean drunks, that their, their whole outlook on life changed toward others. There's things I know in my own life that when I got saved, there's things that I need forgiveness for. And uh, I kind of want to look at it as we get toward the Christmas season, and look at stepping outside of ourselves. And in the Bible, there's a principle of getting and spending. And I just want to look at that from the, but I want to put it in context because it can so easily get into your pocketbook. But what I want to get into is your heart. So look at Matthew chapter number 25 here, and there's a parable here, and we're not going to study out the whole parable, but I want to get a concept down. <coughs> And uh, Jesus gives the parable of the talents, the man that hands out the talents. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another, and to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Take note first of this several ability. He gave each according to what he could handle. And he said, uh, verse 16, Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants come and reckoned with him. And so that he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. He multiplied his Lord's money. He multiplied, let's say, he multiplied what the Lord gave him. And, uh, I, you know, I haven't looked up the etymology of the word. It's one of those things I took for granted. But when you see that word talent, you know, we know that they're talking about money. But in your life, too, God has given you certain abilities. You're, you're more able than other people to do certain things. And other people are more able than you are to do certain things. So when it talks about the talents, it's... it's uh, it's, it's talking about your abilities. God gives us abilities to do things. Come on in to have a seat. All right, so he gave him five talents in, in uh, verse number 18, but he that had received one went and digged in the earth. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received of the five talents 
came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents. His Lord said unto him, right, five talents more, thank you. He said, uh, his Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou in to the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, well done, good, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou in to the joy of the, thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. And lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked, wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gathered where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received my own with usury or with interest. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which, is, which hath ten talents, for unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. So like I said, I was going to Matthew chapter 25 for some context. So let's go back and look at Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11. Because what you have is you have men that... Uh, in the parable that are taking what God gave them, and this is the parable, is pointing to the Lord and his servants, uh, taking what God gave them and then either multiplying it or sitting on it. And there, there is a tendency to want to hang on to what you have. So over in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, it says there, and there's the, remember the sermon is the principle of getting and spending. So verse 24, there is that scattereth and yet increaseth. In other words, they take what they have, they scatter abroad, and, and yet they increase in what they have. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth toward poverty. Poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall water, be watered also himself. He that withholdeth corn, the people shall curse him, but the, blessed, but the blessing shall be upon his head, the head of him that selleth it. He that diligently seeketh good procureth favor, but he that seeketh mischief, it shall come unto him. And then it goes on. But I want to talk about the concept of getting and spending. And we see how God demonstrated it when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, on this earth. Is that too big a jump? Because when we think of getting and spending, we, there's, there's a tendency to want to hang on to it. I know when we uh, started this church, there was a, or when we got to the church, we, we have a building. And there's not much that we can do with a lot of it. But we had a certain amount of money that we were able to do something with one part. We had an option. We could sit on it and hang on to it and hope for the better. Or we could say, Lord, if we put this toward this, you know, we could let go 
and, and uh, use it. I, let, me, let me think about this illustration because I don't want to make this about money. I really don't. I want to make it about our heart. There's a tendency in life to want to bottle up inside yourself. You want to hang on to what you got when it comes to time and stuff. This is a sermon that got on me. It got on my conscience. But you tend to want to bottle it up. You, 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 you tend to feel like you don't have time for people. You don't have time for other people. But God wants us to pour ourselves out into others. We tend to want to gather up that time with the Lord and grow closer to the Lord. But God wants us to spend it on other people. Do you understand what I'm saying about that? And that's, the, that's kind of the context that I want to get to. God gives us abilities. He gives us the ability to do certain things, but a lot of times people sit on that talent and they bury it. And they just hold it to themselves, those abilities. But God laid out this principle. There is he that's... There is he, there is that scattereth and yet increaseth. It gets scattered out. It's like the seed. You hang on to the seed, it's not going to grow if you don't scatter it out. But, and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more than his meat, but tendeth toward property, poverty. Number one, we see God demonstrating this principle. He only had one son, only one begotten son, and he sent his only begotten son. We see that illustrated in the life of Abraham when Abraham was tested of God. And God said, Abraham, take now thy son, thy only son. Abraham was 100 years old. He had waited forever for that son. He had waited forever for Isaac. And God told Abraham, he said, take your son and offer him as a sacrifice. For all the years that Abraham had lived, Isaac was the only flesh and bones. Isaac was the fulfillment of the promise that God gave him, that his uh, children would be as the sand of the sea. Isaac was in his inheritance, and God was telling him to sacrifice him. God painted that picture for us of what he was going to do with his son, his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, one day. He didn't hold back his only son. Abraham, he went up that mountaintop, and Isaac, and I love the story, Isaac says, Father, here's the wood, and here is the altar, but where is the sacrifice? And God said, the Lord will provide himself a lamb. And Jesus Christ was that lamb. God didn't hold back. He gave his only begotten son. Mark 12, 6, in the parable, it says, Having yet therefore one son, his well-beloved, he sent him also last unto them, saying, They will reverence my son. This was in the parable that Jesus gave of the, of the landowner whose, whose uh, workers rebelled. And they had rejected the servants that he sent. And those represented the prophets. And at the last, he sent his son to them. And they killed his son just as they killed Jesus Christ. But God didn't hold him back. He gave his own son, Romans 8.32 says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall we not, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? There's a reason that God sent Jesus Christ, because our sins condemn us to hell. 
Our sins condemn us to eternity in hell. And God didn't look down and he, he, he said, these are the commandments, follow these and live. But then he knew that mankind couldn't do that. God spent of himself, God spent with his only son in order to make that payment for us, to make that penalty for us. I saw where somebody was turning over to another religion and they, they said, well, this, this is all wonderful. This is so great. How can they not believe? You know, you have to see someone from heaven in order to believe. And this was in a whole nother religion. And I thought about it. And I thought about Jesus up on that cross. And I thought about the rich man and Lazarus. And uh, Lazarus, the, the rich man, had gone down into hell and he told Abraham, he said, he said, Father Abraham, he said, send someone to my brothers to tell them or send me back. He said, no one can go from there to here. You can't hear it. He said, well, we'll send someone else from the grave. He said, if someone comes from the grave, they'll hear him. And I thought about that, you know. Jesus Christ, he died on the cross, he came back. He said, the one come from the grave. If they hear not, if they hear not the prophets, the one came from the, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, the one came from the grave, they won't hear him. And Jesus Christ is our testimony. He died and he rose again and came from the grave. He gave his own son. He spared not his son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He also emptied himself when he gave of himself. In Philippians 2, 7, it says, but made himself of no reputation, talking about Jesus Christ. When he came down on this earth, he didn't come down as a conqueror. He came down as a humble servant. He emptied himself. It said, but he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. It was made in the likeness of men. You know, when we look in the book of John and it says, uh, in the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was with God. And then in John 1.14, it said the word was made manifest. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And Jesus Christ emptied himself of everything that he was in eternity to come down here on this earth. And why did he do it? You think about your own life. Look at your own life and what it's been. He died for your sins. He died because of your life. He died because of your actions, because of your decisions. Because none of that would get you into heaven. Those things that you've done wrong, those commandments that you've broken, those lies that you told, those things that you stole, those people that you lied to or, or whatever. All of that that's inside of you. And the Bible says, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And with all of that that you've done, Jesus emptied himself of eternity to come down on this earth, to live for 33 years in the same dirt that you walk on, breathing in the same air that you breathe, and putting up with the same nasty people that you put up with, and putting up with the same hostile people that you put up, putting up with even worse because they spit on him. They put thorns on his head and they thrust them down. Those soldiers that were spitting on him were the ones that he knew from birth, the ones that he knew in their weakest hour. But he emptied himself of himself 
of his, he didn't quit becoming God, but he lived here on this earth and he offered himself up as the eternal lamb, the one sacrifice that could make the payment for our sins. And he went up on that cross. He let them put him there. He let them drive the nails in. God gave of himself. He gave his own son. But he didn't just give us all that and then leave you alone. God also, not only did he give you his son, he gave an example through his son, Jesus Christ. He also gave us the ability to live in Christ when he gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us that same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, and he does, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you receive the Holy Spirit. He says, But if the same spirit of him, that's God, that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Now, quicken means to make alive. Now, what does that mean? You say, I'm alive and I'm breathing and I'm walking around. I'm alive. But when you receive the spirit of God, your spirit comes alive. When you pray to God, you, can actually, you actually reach out to him. You, you have union with God. And that's only through Jesus Christ. But he gave us the ability to walk in his word. Not only that, but he gave us the ability to live forever through that spirit. So with all of that spending, Jim Elliott says, is, the he is heaven the poorer for the spending? He said, nay, both heaven and earth are enriched by it. Who dare not follow God's example? When we look at the concept of the principle of getting and spending, and that's why I said, you know, I started to talk about, I get away from the money. This is about yourself. This is about giving yourself to the Lord in prayer, giving yourself to the Lord in worship, giving yourself to the Lord in your daily walk, and not just separating yourself. Jesus taught at Mark 10, 29. Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. The things that you give up in this life, we're strangers. We're just strangers in a strange land. We're passing through. <laughs> Everything that you give up, you'll receive a hundredfold in heaven. It's, it's real easy to get our eyes on this world and look around and say it's the material things. And man, I would love to, I would love to be in a nicer house or I would love to have this and I would love to have that. But when you give that up, when you worship, when, you, when you're focused and you're giving up your focus on that and putting your focus on God and walking with the Lord and what he wants, when you give that up, you're going to be rewarded in heaven. There's a reward, a hundredfold. 
In Acts 20, 35, uh, Paul said, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And we've seen that. And a lot of people get that twisted up. And they say, well, that's, that's money. That's it. Oh, you, you, it's a blessing to give it out. It's a blessing to, you'll receive blessings. But we got such a blessing just doing the shoeboxes. Just kind of giving a little bit of ourselves as a church. And there's blessings in other ways. There's blessings in being there for other people. There's blessings in leading someone to Jesus Christ and their life changing. You can give them a fish. They'll eat for a day. You can lead them to Jesus Christ and they'll live for eternity. He said how it is more blessed to give than to receive. In John 12, 24, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Now, there are several ways to look at that. The main way to look at that is to see spiritually how Jesus Christ gave, him, gave himself, died on that cross for our sins. He was the corn of wheat that fell into the ground and died. But because of that, we all live. When we die to ourselves, God's able to magnify that. God's able to make it grow. We hang on to ourselves. We just had, you know, what is it they say? When you're wrapped up in yourself, it what? It makes a small package. In Luke 6:38, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. Shall men give into your bosom? For with the same measure that you meet with, it shall be measured to you again. There's a tendency to always look at the money on that. But there's also the heart. Are you giving yourself to the Lord? Are you holding back a part of your life? So not only did God give the example, and Jesus taught, how we're to live. And Jesus lived that example also, but it was also practiced in the early days of the church. Over in Acts 4.34, neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought, and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. The believers were gathered together after the day of Pentecost, they were gathered together and um, many of them had sold their land and they, because they were looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were looking for that day when Jesus would be there and they began to provide for each other. There were some that didn't have much that were part of the church. There were others that, that had a lot and those that didn't have much were taken care of by those. That we have, that's, this is a system. This is the Christian system of taking care of each other. Amen. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Look at Second uh, Corinthians chapter number 8. Now Paul was talking about taking up a distribution. You know, we take up a tithe at the church. We take up offerings. And uh, one of my least favorite things to preach is on money or is on giving or tithing. Because my, because my father... Years and years and years ago, he had told me, he said, all a church is for is for money. 
So it's one of my least favorite things. I, I would rather point someone to Jesus Christ than have anything from them. I would rather, I would rather see someone's life changed by Jesus Christ than receive one solid penny or nickel or anything from anyone. And Paul felt the same way because he, when he went to preach at a church, when he went to these churches, he did all that he could not to be a burden to them. But they're still keeping the lights on. They're still doing things, you know, the, the, the buildings here, the things have to be taken care of or the things that we do. And he says, so he's talking about the distribution. In uh, Romans, Second uh, Corinthians chapter number 8, he says, verse number one, Moreover, brethren, we do to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, but praying us with much entreaty that we should give, receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. So what he's saying here is a lot of words, but what he's saying, they were giving out of their own poverty. They were giving for the distribution to the saints. And he said, uh, praying, with, praying us, verse number four, with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. They were hearing about the church in Jerusalem and they were gathering up money to help take care of. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and to, unto us by the will of God. So they first gave of themselves unto the Lord. A lot of times we get caught up in charity and we just, you know, it's just giving. It's just giving. It's more blessed to give than receive. But there's a first give principle, and that's giving of yourself to the Lord and to the work and to the things of the Lord. And uh, verse number six, insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as you abound in everything in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others to, and to prove the sincerity of your love. So he had them. Is there anything we can do, brother? Is there anything we can help you with? And Paul says, I'm not doing this by commandment. I'm not telling you to do this, but people have asked about it. And he said, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others. Verse number nine, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, and that ye through his poverty might be rich. And he's reminding them of what Jesus did. Just as we just looked at, Jesus made himself poor for our sakes, that we could become rich with eternal life. And herein, verse number 10, <clears throat> and herein I give my advice for this is expedient for you who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. They said, you brought this up a year ago. He said, I bring it up so that now you can, now that you can, now you can give. He said, 
Verse number 12, and this is the principle. All of that was free. All of that before was just to put it in context, right? So we're just not grabbing verses willy-nilly, although we've grabbed some from here and there. But in this principle of giving, this spending and getting, it's, it's letting go of things in order and trusting God to take care of, right? So here's the difference here. Verse number 12, for if there first be... If there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. So this this is not a tough one so much, but it's understanding that God knows your heart. He knows what you have. He knows what you don't have. And there's times when you just can't give. There's times when you just don't have it. And Paul said, you know what? If you can't, he said, just keep it. You remember over in the book of Acts, you remember Ananias and Sapphira? Everybody was selling their land and everybody was giving it. And Barnabas, man, he sold a bunch. I think it was Barnabas. He sold a bunch. And and they wanted some recognition. So they sold some land and they kept back part of the price. And they gave it and they said, here, we sold some land and here's all of the price of it. I always give that illustration. I, I, I grew up with Publishers Clearinghouse on TV, so I always see the big check. Look what we did. And when they got up there, you know, the Holy Spirit knew their heart. Said, is this all the money that you had that you received from the cell? Oh, yes, it is. And he said, you've lied not to us. You've lied to God. And then he fell down dead, and they drug him out. They brought Sapphira in there and asked her the same thing. And she didn't know about her husband, what had just happened, and said, did you sell the land for this much? And she continued on with the lie. He said, while it was, not, while it was yours, it was yours. You didn't have to give it. Nobody asked you to. Nobody made you to. I'm adding some words in there, but that's the context of it. He said, while it was yours. Here, I can't stand it. I'll pull up Acts just so I can get the quote. In Acts 5.4, it says, Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast lied not, thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. So they came with a lie in their heart. They wanted more recognition and, you know, they, they wanted recognition for giving all. They would have got just as much. If, as, you know, we sold the land and here's part of the price. We need the rest to live. And it was theirs. But they lied to God about it. They wanted recognition. They wanted credit. And the, the Christian life isn't about recognition. It isn't about credit. It's about serving God. It's about following the example of Jesus Christ. Jesus humbled himself. He emptied himself. All right, so... 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, for if there first be a willing mind, it is accepted according to the man hath, and not according to that he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased and you burdened. In other words, I, I don't mean for, you know, we, we've got the concept all around to where we take from everybody else in order to provide for others, right? But the Christian life is a matter of your walk with the Lord, it's a matter of what's in your heart. It's a matter of your ability. 
There's a freedom in that. There's a liberty in that. He said, for I mean not that other men be eased and you be burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. In verse 15, as it is written, he that had gathered much had nothing over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. For indeed, he accepted the Anyway, that's going on. But he's referring back to the manna in the wilderness. When they, they received the manna daily while they were in the wilderness, the food, and they would go out and collect it. And those that collected much had nothing left over, and those that collected little had no lack. They had all that they needed. So he which soweth, verse uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. And in 2 Corinthians twelve fifteen, he said, And I will glad uh, Paul, and this is switching the principle back around from money over to giving of yourselves. Paul said, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. That's a tough thing as a Christian. They're giving of yourself. Oftentimes, uh, and I've seen it in other churches, and uh, I've, I've seen a pastor give of himself to somebody. Somebody needed help, and, and he's, he's done what he can to help them, and I've seen it in my own life, but you do what you can to help. But it turns on you. In Proverbs, let's go back to Proverbs. Chapter number 11. So let's take a look at this principle again. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. We see what this principle does to a man's store or what he has in store, his reserves, let's say. <clears throat> there is that scattereth and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more than his meat, but it tendeth toward poverty. You think of the man building barns and saying, I'm going to, you know, he, he had good crops and he said, I'm going to build more barns to hold my crops. He's holding back, you know, he's, he wants to save it up, and in that time, everything was destroyed anyway. He's the one that withholdeth more than his meat, but it tendeth toward poverty. And there is that scattereth and yet increaseth. And then there's the principle, what this principle does to a man's soul. Verse 25, the liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. God supplies the need. Proverbs eleven twenty six, He that withholdeth corn, the people shall curse him. But the blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. And what this principle does to a man's society here, what it does to those around him. And so as we see in this principle of giving, this principle of spending and giving, as we go into the Christmas season, and, and in each and every life, and it's something we know, it's something we tell each other as Christians, right? We give gifts to symbolize the gift that Jesus Christ gave us. It's not, that, it's not just that Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus is the reason for any season. 
while Miss Maxine plays, I want to make an invitation. <coughs> God sent his only begotten son. He was born on this earth. He lived for 33 and a half years. And he was rejected. Jesus knew from the time he was born what was going to happen. He knew that night in the garden what was going to happen the next day. He said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He sweated great drops of blood because he knew the penalty that he was going to pay. But it wasn't for his own sin. It wasn't for anything that he had done. It was for ours. He was up there with two thieves and one rejected him. One mocked him. He said, he said if you be God, get us down from here. The other one said, be quiet. We belong up here. This man's done nothing. He was declared innocent, and he was still put on the cross. Pilate declared him innocent. Pilate just washed his hands. They still put him on that cross, and he still went. All down through the ages, God had set it up. The life of the flesh is in the blood to make an atonement for the soul. All those lambs that were sacrificed, all those goats that were sacrificed, all of those birds that were sacrificed. Hebrews tells us that none of that could make the penalty for sin. None of that could clear the conscience. It could cover it for a little bit because God made it that way. But the only sacrifice that was forever, that was lasting, was through Jesus Christ, his son, dying on the cross. <clears throat> 